everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the One Bitcoin Show. Today is December the 21st. 2020 strong hand long-term thinking only the beginning in motion five digit realm offended by selling personal responsibility is a new counterculture compete don't complain yes one bitcoin equals one bitcoin you fiat freaks we got a legend here today andy hoffman has returned to the show to talk about the current events what's going on in his uh, realm what's going on in the bitcoin realm we'll even talk a little bit of altcoins here and there andy hoffman welcome back to the one bitcoin show oh i'm thrilled to be here this is easily the 10th at least the 10th time we've done a show together probably more like 15. oh yeah who knows it's 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 up there it's getting yeah. up there we've been we've been around for a while and we're going to talk about veterans of the space but let's talk about the, the news of the day what's happened since the last time you were on um yeah bitcoin is a uh, it's an all-time high okay it hit an all-time high a few times since the last time you've been on and perhaps as some would say that the, the michael saylor news uh, that was the beginning of all of this back in august and you and i we shared some tweets back then saying that this was the biggest news of the year this is huge for bitcoin and now uh now we're seeing it all play out so what's your take on uh michael saylor's relation to the all-time high uh how's the all-time high treating you and uh your overall perspective on the space right now yeah, well, I mean, in my pin tweet was I actually wrote in September that Michael Saylor just launched the biggest, most high stakes round of game theory in financial history. And, um, you know, that's what's playing out. I mean, you know, Bitcoin holders understand the game theory thing. But when you really see it play out in real time and how fast it plays out and you recognize that when when people understand the scarcity and they understand how it works, that that it's all going to be bought up. So when guys like Max Kaiser say we're going to see uh, the supply completely dry up and the price is going to gap up by thousands of dollars, that's exactly what's going to happen. Because, I mean, look, you know, Michael Saylor, he's now bought between his company and himself 90,000 coins, 90,000 Bitcoin. He's just one guy and he's not that big of a guy. Like he's talking Elon Musk. Elon Musk is worth $160 billion. Tesla's worth $6 trillion. Um, what's Tesla worth? $600 billion right now? Something like that. It's up there. Yeah. Yeah. And even Tesla is a small company in the big scheme of things. So everyone's watching. And of course, you know, this weekend we saw uh, Michael Saylor uh, engaging him. Uh, that, but I assure you, I assure you that every wealthy person in the world who's aware of uh, tech titans, which is basically everyone, is aware of these tweets and they are starting to look into this. So, you know, the Larry Ellison's of the world, the Larry Pages, the Mark Zuckerberg. They see what's going on. And so it's going to be very exciting as one by one companies, individuals and uh, and institutions start to take positions. And this at a time when the dollar is crashing and QE is exploding and uh, it's only going to get worse in 2021. Oh, for in terms of only getting worse. Uh, for for the nation states of the world and their their money printing, it's only the beginning for the here in the Bitcoin overlay. Pound that like button. Twenty twenty has been good for us, man. It's been good for us in this world of insanity. Oh, I, I just did it again. Oh, you, you're there. I do these shows? My freaking speakers left. Yeah, you're Andy. You are still there. Still, and Andy Hoffman is. Uh, you're still there. You hear me, Andy? 
Oh, no, he went, he went away. Okay. And yes. he uh, disappeared there for a second. The same thing happened as last time. My sound went out. I saw Oh, yeah. And, and, but it, yeah. It, 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 I think when your sound went out, it, it did. We heard you for a little bit uh, cursing there. But uh, yes. hey, that's the, it's the real world, baby. It's the yes. real world. You see these uh, things happen. Okay. So I didn't ask you anything when you were gone, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring up Elon Musk again because ha had this been a regular show, I, and it's linked to below hit the, the exchange between Sailor and him. I, I think that Sailor revealed a lot uh, when he, well, if you couldn't have figured it out already, let me, let me read uh, what, what he said here. I, I, uh, I have it one, one moment. Uh, yeah. He says, if you want to do your shareholders a hundred billion dollar favor, convert the Tesla balance sheet from us dollars to Bitcoin. Other firms on the S&P 500 would follow your lead. In time, it would grow to become a $1 trillion favor. So, I mean, he's putting it all out there. He is not just, he's not just buying Bitcoin. He knows that part, to, to increase his wealth, he's going to have to be a marketer of Bitcoin. And sure, a lot of us are like, yeah, he's appearing on all these podcasts and everything. And that is great. That is a great way to market Bitcoin. But he, I mean, reaching out to Elon Musk saying, hey, brother, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you the way here, and this is a serious thing. And this is not just some schmo, and Elon Musk seemed somewhat interested. Now, I, I don't know if Elon Musk will actually take him up on this offer, but if Elon Musk actually were to even do something resembling what, he, what he's saying, I mean, this would be so huge for Bitcoin. So M Michael Saylor, he's got a plan. He, he definitely has a plan. It's not just about buying Bitcoin. It is being like – the uh what what roger ver was supposed to be back in the day i mean it's called marketing it's yeah, called marketing it, and you know the thing is i mean no one understands this more than me look i've marketed big assets like gold bullion where i can't move the price but i've also marketed smaller assets where where people listen to me in all different uh markets and the fact is that in bitcoin as big as it's gotten it still um, it still does respond to certain players doing things. Jack Dorsey does something. Now Michael Saylor does something. He understands his background and how it will impact the market. There'll be a time shortly where Michael Saylor will be dwarfed by the size of the market because he himself is a small uh, player in the business world, though I don't think he will be for long because sooner or later, the much bigger players are going to become the bigger voices and eventually no player will need to be a voice because the, the, the market will be so big. But right now, he's just doing no, nothing different than I would have done in a smaller asset or in a market right now where he realized he's still pivotal and it works. Yeah. As, as a CEO, I mean, he's got a good background there. Finance, marketing, technology. These are all, I mean, not in our space, there are few people that actually have all three of those skills. And there are a lot of people that only have one that look down upon the other skills. There are a lot of tech guys that are like, oh, marketing is disgusting, or <laughs> finance guys who refuse to do any tech stuff. He's got three awesome skills, and all three are welcome here. And if you've got all three, man, you're, you can be a really powerful force. The dude, the, he's impressive. He impresses me all the time, and he's yeah. de de definitely... A, he he loves Bitcoin. I mean, this well, look, is look. They're, they're building. A, there's going to be a Mount Rushmore that's built uh, eventually. Satoshi's uh, blank face will be on it. Uh, Andreas will be on it. Uh, guys like Max Kaiser will be on it. And of course, uh, Michael Saylor has already cemented his place. In time, we won't need anymore. Uh, but right now, these are people who have made you know caused it major leaps. And probably no single person has caused um, adoption by himself more than. Michael Saylor, because he's just not uh, reaching out to the retail public, he is getting 
single-handedly the institutions to get in. I mean, heck, remember, he was the guy who said, Jack, why aren't you getting in Jack Dorsey? And a week later, Jack Dorsey got in. So it's really amazing to watch. It's Game Theory 101. And it's only got, the stakes, as I said, are only going to get higher because we are going to have major shortages in 2021. I have no doubt about it. Now, you you recognized it like I did back in August. I mean, do you still agree that Michael Saylor was the biggest story of the year? For big, He's the big biggest league. story of the of, uh, the only other story I could think of as big was the, you know, the the forks, the Bcash fork failing. I mean, that was something that was such a pivotal point in the in history. And after that, it's Michael Saylor. He said, no, enough with the retail stuff. I'm going to bring the big boys in. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is personally and professionally. And now everyone, any company that doesn't do it is crazy. And of course, everyone is looking at it. like I, I literally I'm laughing. I see the tweets with Elon Musk and who knows it. Guarantee you that those tweets are, you can hear me, right? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Be right back. <laughs> Doing it again. Yeah. Hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm saying I can guarantee you that uh, that all the big tech titans are got a hold of those tweets. Either they read Elon Musk's or people sent them to guys like Larry Ellison or worth $30 billion or the guys from Google uh, or the guys from Alibaba. All those guys see those tweets and they're looking into it and realizing, why am I not doing something here? Yeah. And it's, it's amazing that... Uh, well, it's not amazing, but you reckon again. You recognize it back in the day. Um, I recognize it, but you you have a lot of experience in these traditional markets, okay? And you knew that hey, if this is we're going to take this to the industrial level here, we're going to take this to the corporate level. Bitcoin's going to enter an, an entire uh, new realm here. And it is funny that a lot of got you just turned fifty. We we had your birthday celebration. That that was the last time you were on, actually. But they, in in the space, there are a lot of people that like to say the okay boomer thing. They like to, uh, I mean, not that you're a boomer, but they they, they look down. It, it we have to recognize in this space, experience from other fields. It can help. It, it can really help guide you. Like back in um, and I link to this below. Back on March twelfth. When everybody was panicking, people were selling, people thought it was the end of the world. There is a guy that calls himself Bitcoin Boomer. He and me were both saying, we are buying now. And he's like, why would anybody be selling at 3,800 bucks? Why, why are people selling now? I mean, it made no sense. When you have, an ex when you have experience in finance, in industry, in life, you don't make these impulsive decisions like this on, on imp important days. So it's always good to have perspective from guys. You know, you're not a technical guy. I'm not a technical guy. I I, I really, and I, I pointed this out on other shows, I, I appreciate people that have history in traditional finance and, and, and in traditional financial markets like like gold and whatnot. And I think it's, uh, I love, and I, I do love this space that we do have a, a diverse group of people. I mean, Caitlin Long, she was from traditional finance and I think people have learned a, a lot from her also. So when we're talking about traditions, Let's talk about a tradition you used to be associated with, and that is gold. Yeah. So you you have you used to be a huge fan of gold. Now you're a pretty big critic of gold, and uh, a lot of people there are rumors about people turning in their gold into Bitcoin now. So what is your take on the gold situation right now? Well, look, there's actually a lot of us uh, old gold people that have moved into the space uh, from a, a retail perspective, but I, I still believe that I'm the 
the first uh, that by far that left gold for Bitcoin. I said, I am no longer a gold bug or a gold fan at all. And I'm 100% Bitcoin. And the, the sad thing is to this day, I still don't see really anyone who has followed. There are some that that say, yeah, I, I, it's okay, Bitcoin, I watch it. But still, they, the, you know, it's the same people I'm reading are still focusing on gold. It's absolutely amazing. And we talk about the legacy market. Look, the reason I got into Bitcoin so early was because I spent 20 years being an advocate of sound money. I mean, I was in gold in 2002 when it was $400. I spent 15 years in that business, including five years in mining and another six years as the head of marketing for a major bullion dealer. And that's how I came across Bitcoin back in 2013, because I had all the all the people, uh, you know, calling me and email me, say, what do you think of Bitcoin? Of course, I first didn't like it. And then as I read it and did my due diligence, I gradually uh, became more favorable to it. And I, and I became even more so as I saw it develop. But the thing is, it really, really helped me uh, to understand sound money. And also by being inside of a bullion dealer, uh, it couldn't be more obvious to me from understanding how it works, how few people actually know how to buy gold and silver, how expensive it is, how difficult it is to store, let alone to sell, to transport. And I think about all the things that, that way back when that you, we used to say about gold before Bitcoin, we'd say, oh, it's more divisible and fungible and it's outside of the system and it's uh, it's private and, and all this. And that, now when you look at it in a Bitcoin world, you go, None of those things are true. First of all, gold is as as not fungible as you can possibly find. You can't authenticate gold unless you have someone there to with a machine to show you. Uh, and you know, a lot of the coins aren't even the same. They're not even worth the same. Numismatics are not worth the same. You, it's certainly not divisible. I mean, yes, there's a one ounce coin, but that's hardly divisible to say one ounce or a quarter ounce. And on top of that, how do you even know what's one ounce or a quarter ounce? I mean, I remember us talking about junk silver. You know, junk silver has, uh, I forgot what percent silver in the coin, like 30 or 40%. Like anyone's going to know or care about uh, how much silver is in a, a, a junk dime. And of course, you can't transport it. You can't store it safely. I mean, it's none of these things. And that's why it's so funny that you still have people that in the gold uh, business that, that that act like it is. And the, and the best part of it is, and I, I mean, look, I was writing about this thing, this stuff three, four years ago. I said, look, I, you know, back when I was in the bullion business, I left in 2017. I'd say our average client was 65 years old and now it's older. And, you know, these people are the only people that have ever bought gold. There is no one, and I mean no one under 40 years old, who has bought a gold or silver coin in their life. And there will not be a single one ever going forward. It's just that simple. I've been writing for three or four years now how every single millennial and Gen Z is going to sell their, their gold and silver as soon as they inherit it. And they'll probably buy Bitcoin with it. It's just that simple. Gold and silver, by the way, you know, we, and they talk about the, the uh, gold industry, about how central banks own all this gold. How do you know the central banks own the gold? The US government has not been audited since the 50s. We know that they've lied about it. We've caught them in lies. There's all the rehypothecation. Everyone says, oh, well, it's the Chinese and the Russians are buying. Really? Is there any proof the Chinese and Russians are buying? Have they been audited? It's all a bunch of BS. And of course, then there's the miners, which as Michael Saylor says, they, they'll increase supply if the price goes up. It's the same thing. Look, I was an oil analyst on Wall Street for 15 years. And the whole concept of peak oil is a big joke because what happens? The price goes up and they find more oil. I assure you, if gold went up to $3,000, they would find tons of gold. So again, all these things are ridiculous. 
Gold is completely, utterly dead. Silver is completely, utterly dead. Anyone, and I've been writing this for years and tweeting it for years, just sell it and buy Bitcoin. It's that simple. Otherwise, you're going to be like Peter Schiff. <laughs> scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. You, you understand scarcity. You know what it truly is. You were in that gold land, and you know this is the most, uh, the, the scarcest ass, uh, asset out there. Now, you said the, the young people of today, they're not going to buy gold. I, I think we can agree on that. You said they're going to probably buy Bitcoin. Now, of course, uh, some will buy Bitcoin, but a lot of them are impulsive. They don't have experience. They like to gamble. They like new shiny things. And hey, they they pumped altcoins before. I think they'll pump some altcoins again. You've been tweeting though about uh, altcoins lately and Bitcoin dominance increasing. And I, I, I link to that below. And indeed, uh, Bitcoin dominance has been increasing. There are a lot of people who do not value their wealth in Bitcoin who are like, oh look, my Litecoin went up a lot in dollars, or my you know Bcash went up a lot in dollars. But they are still way off from their all-time highs. Well, Bitcoin every day, every day is a new time high. Another day, another all-time high. So what is your take on the altcoin situation and Bitcoin dominance uh, that you've okay. been tweeting about? Well, put, put it this way. This is about as important of, of, of anything that I've ever said. And I hope this circulates so that people understand it. Okay. The whole point. And look, and I've been in the space a long time. I've also been involved in altcoins at times. Uh, and I've owned a lot of different altcoins in the past, and I've, I've seen what happens. And basically what happens is a new altcoin comes out, and people hype it because they want, you know, especially the creators of it, because they want to get it up and sell it for Bitcoin. But then, then of course, you get a community of people who believe it's going to be this big thing that's going to outperform Bitcoin. And as you as you call them, you know, there's the coin du jour. Yeah, a lot of coins, of, uh, especially the hyped ones with a lot of backing, when they first come out, they outperform Bitcoin for a while. A perfect example is that Chainlink. Remember Chainlink and the Link Marines? Has, has, have you seen what Chainlink has done since? It's down like 50%. It's dead, right? But the point is when it came out, it had a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. They get uh, Stool Presidente behind it and all that. And then it just dies. But Because when you look at uh, Bitcoin dominance, which is 66% right now, the only reason that it's not 90% is simply because of the volume of new coins. Right. If you just looked at if you just compared Bitcoin to the to the coins that were out uh, in 2017 before the altcoin boom, it would probably be 99 percent dominance. But they just keep adding more and more and more to the point where there's 10,000 now. So there is you know, it is harder for it to just surge to back to 90 percent again. But the point is, if you look at individually at these coins, just people, you need to look at the tweets. Uh, Adam will highlight them, I'm sure that I put out today. Uh, for one, I was showing how market cap dominance uh, for, for altcoins compared to Bitcoin. Uh, altcoin dominance peaked at much, much lower levels in each of the successive pumps. First, you know, you talk about the one in, uh, in early 2018, which was fueled primarily by people, by when the Mt. Gox trustee was selling and Bitcoin was going down, so Ethereum was going up and everyone was saying, oh, this is a time of altcoins. But that was huge. I mean, Ethereum got to 12% of a Bitcoin back then. And then, of course, you had another pump in the middle of 2019, and you even had one now. You had the big DeFi boom. But when you think about it, for instance, uh, Ethereum, it got to 12% of a Bitcoin in 2017, and all it got to in, in the heart of this big DeFi boom was 4% of a Bitcoin, and now it's down to 2%. And if you look at these two uh, these tweets that I put out today, you'll see Litecoin is down 84% against Bitcoin from its high. 
Ethereum 78%, Bcash 88%, XRP, everyone likes to act like it's this great coin that's doing so well. It's down 90% against Bitcoin from its January 2018 peak. Remember EOS was going to replace Ethereum? It's down 95% versus its peak against Bitcoin. BSV, 85%. Cardano, really exciting. Bob Hawkinson guy, he's such a brilliant guy. He's going to change the world. Down 78% against Bitcoin. The point is, you give any coin enough time, it will collapse against Bitcoin. And I mean any coin. Ethereum has collapsed from 12% to a low of 1.7, and now it's 2.7. And Ethereum will continue to collapse against Bitcoin because now that it's a proof of stake coin, it's even more of a big cluster F. So the point is, you can try to get excited and get uh, because you, you're trying to hype a brand new coin, or you can be uh, a, a sheep and believe that this is the next Bitcoin or the next great thing. But the fact is that Bitcoin is a giant black hole that, that sucks up every single altcoin. And any time that you hold an altcoin versus Bitcoin, you're going to lose. I used to say 99% of the time. I now say 100%. Now, you, you, you have said on your, your Twitter feed, you brought up the, because Ethereum has not, it's not proof of stake yet. It, it'll be there eventually. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of action going on there in, in the DeFi land. I, I, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but uh, do you do you think it's different th than the rest in terms? Yeah, it, it probably is not going to get back to twelve percent of a Bitcoin. No one expects that, but it it's it's a little bit different than the rest of the altcoins. Uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what what do you what do you think about that statement? Okay, I have well, I've said from the beginning, uh, even when I didn't quite understand what DeFi is, that I think it's a, a giant uh, pile of crap. I don't think there's anything decentralized about it or there's any finance. I don't think there's anything novel about it all or anything for that matter that can ultimately done, be done on Bitcoin. And, uh, and you know, we talk about 12% 12, 12 of a Bitcoin. No, it pumped Ethereum from 2% to 4% in August because of DeFi, 4%. That's compared to 12% back in 2018. And now we're back to 2.6% today. And when you look, people get all excited and they say, oh, DeFi did really well. No, actually, if you look at the market cap of DeFi, it's tiny because the vast majority of it is Chainlink, okay? And then uh, MakerDAI, which isn't even uh, a, an actual altcoin. And then there's wrapped Bitcoin, which isn't... which isn't. A, so if you just look at all the little things like Yearn, they, they add up to essentially nothing. So you had some big percentage moves and things that were worthless. Most of them have given it back. And then in the big picture, what is DeFi? I mean, people are trying to farm things that are useless, brand new coins, pump and dumps that don't do anything and have no hash. Well, they have no hash rate because they poop state coins. But the point is, I personally think that that uh, we've already seen DeFi crash and I think it's going to crash more and all these are going to go to zero. And as for Ethereum, I still think it's a Rube Goldberg machine that does absolutely nothing. But there's always someone uh, in tech land that wants to get excited about, as you say, complexity and they think it's going to do something great. It hasn't done anything except spawn thousands of coins. It's a great capital destruction machine. And I think that against Bitcoin, it's going to blow through its low of 0.017 Bitcoin at some point in the future, maybe even next year, and go down to zero. That's my opinion of it. Now, Ethereum uh, producing other coins. Speaking of other coins, uh, coins that are on Ethereum or just altcoins that are out there, Coinbase. Let's talk about Coinbase IPO. Um, I know you're not, I mean, you're not the biggest fan of Brian Armstrong in the world, but uh, this IPO, I think it's going to be huge in 2021. What's your take on the uh, Coinbase IPO? Oh, well, it's, it's, 
I mean, you talk about big events. I mean, for for Bitcoin, uh, you know, Michael Saylor is a big event for Bitcoin, but the Coinbase IPO is going to be equally big because, first of all, it's going to be probably the hottest IPO since Facebook, although we've had a bunch of other uh, hot IPOs recently. Uh, but I think when you think about how much money that's going to bring in, they're saying that it could be valued at $28 billion. And, you know, that probably means it'll be valued at $50 billion. I mean, remember DoorDash? Like triple and quadruple and DoorDash doesn't do anything. So whether you like Coinbase or not, it's you know probably the the, the wealthiest company in the space, and uh, and it's going to have more money to spend on development and acquisitions, and uh, and it's going to it's going to cause uh, competition to increase, and it's going to attract the attention of institutions. So I am really excited about about this, and of course in my role as marketing director of uh, Digital Lending Capital Corp, I'm thrilled to see this because. You know, we're building a crypto prime brokerage space, and now we know there's going to be a dramatic increase in capital from institutions coming in. Yeah, actually, you're bringing up uh, the DLCC, uh, which is, I mean, people are wondering, well, what's Andy Hoffman doing now? And I've, I've mentioned this, that out of the blue, I mean, th this is the beauty of the, the, the Bitcoin space, the cryptocurrency space. No formal interviews in this space. You don't need to go to some office if you want a job and wear a tie and everything. Uh, because of various connections you've made in the space, these dudes reached out to you, and now you're the marketing director over there. Now, now, I, I tell this story as an inspiration to all the people out there that this is the golden age. Don't be down with the mainstream media saying what a horrible year this is. I mean, there are so many opportunities in this space. I've talked about this dude, Dennis, who's, who's jumped on the opportunities I brought out there. But you yourself have found your own opportunities and you jump on them. So what is this DLCC thing? Well, <laughs> what are you doing yeah. out there? And just uh, give a summary of what's Well, up. again, you know, people. some people like to mock experience. And you're talking about people should respect legacy market experience. I have 30 years of it and I've done everything from sell side to buy side. Uh, to marketing of all different kinds of assets. Uh, so in this case, when you say they reached out to me, no, actually they didn't reach out to me. A friend of a, a, a mutual contact said, you know, you should call these guys. They got this really good business. I said, oh, what the heck? And I, I contacted them. And it turns out they're uh, an early stage company, which is absolutely spectacular, just built for what's going on in this market. Uh, they're building a crypto prime brokerage platform. Prime brokerage is basically what the institutions use on Wall Street when they want to trade all different kinds of assets through a single company. And uh, this this has been under development for 18 months. The guy uh, who runs it, James Runnels, amazing, amazing, brilliant guy and a go-getter. And he's created something amazing. And it just happens to be that the product is being finished now after 18 months, just as the entire institutional world is heading into the crypto space. So I am just thrilled to be here. I am the marketing director right now. We've just made some very exciting announcements. We're going to have a lot more. You really should watch this because it's not just a matter of this company, which is not going to really matter much to the retail people listening to this, but it's it's a, it's going to show you when you see uh, how well we're doing, how much institutional money, the wall of institutional money that Brian Kelly told you about uh, and we talked about way back in late 2017. Yep. It is, believe me, it is here. And it's not just... It's not just the the crypto. We're talking about the Coinbase's and the Krakens and the Gemini's. We're talking about the Goldman Sachs's and the and the JP Morgan's and the Deutsche Bank's. Everyone is flying into this space, and uh, that's why I'm so thrilled to be with DLCC because I can be a super Bitcoin bull at the same time market an asset which I think is going to dramatically help to improve the space. 
All right. So you're, you're 2021 is the year of the institutions for Bitcoin, right? Oh, my. Well, it's already here. I mean, like Michael Saylor started it all. And uh, breaking, of course, 20,000 uh, was the second big thing. And now, of course, as we head into 2021 and all of the world's institutions are going to have to realize that for our allocation for this year, for our plans, it has to include a Bitcoin strategy. Now, uh, DLCC, I linked to them below. Uh, do you think they're going to be hiring anybody else uh, just for anybody that's in motion out there? Well, we're moving forward to to building the company. So, yeah, I do believe there's going to be opportunities here in 2021. Uh, just follow what we're doing. You know, we, uh, we've been raising capital and I think we're going to be ready to really grow the company in 2021 because we're going to be launching our, uh, our, our version 1.0 project imminently. Imminently. All right. Well, keep us up to date. Uh, I'll keep people up to date. You keep me up to date. Um, everybody, remember, pound that like button. Retweet this. Follow me on TechBalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. TikTok, I'm in motion over at TikTok now with CoinBeast. Link to the latest crazy TikTok 15-second video is below. Andy, I want to ask you about uh, current events real quick. And uh, I think it was late last night, a stimulus bill. We're going to get $600 checks uh, soon, or some people are. Uh, any opinion on that? Well, I saw the that just a few weeks ago, Japan did a $800 billion stimulus, and uh, ECB is uh, perpetually doing stimulus. And China does stimulus, but they just don't call it stimulus. And we have uh, a socialist government heading in. Can you imagine, Adam, how much money is being put into these two Georgia races? And what, what might happen if they can steal these two races and we get a full democratic government? We could have $800 billion UBIs every three months. So, uh, I mean, again, you, you know, you look at the dollar index. And I was tweeting about that again this morning. I've forever been talking about the dollar index. It's kind of a joke because all it does is measure how the dollar does against other toilet paper currencies. But the yeah. fact that the world's reserve currency is crashing against all these other currencies, which are much weaker currencies, shows you that the world is starting to realize that the US dollar's days as a, a world reserve currency are nearly over. And the, the only thing that's going to replace it is going to be Bitcoin. It's going to replace them all. And that's the game theory in action. Some countries have already started wising up to it. And eventually they all will have to because this is the year the COVID, the great accelerators, made people realize that no fiat currency can ever work again. And this is why Bitcoin will be hyper-Bitcoinized and why at plan B or at 100 trillion USD is going to be 100% right. Well, you say people are realizing this. I, I I don't think as many people are realizing it as uh, some would hope. I mean, because, you know, trending on Twitter, they're not they're not treating the dollar as garbage. I mean, they're begging only 600. We want more. So there, there are plenty of people that are still valuing their wealth in dollars. I, I got to say, and uh, I, I ranted on last Wednesday, just the information has been out there for quite some time about Bitcoin. <laughs> if you want to preserve your wealth and you don't want to play this game and become a, a dependent on a UBI and on, a, you know, when's the next check going to come? When's the next? You know I mean? Yeah, but, but Adam, you're talking, you're talking about people who don't have money. You're saying, oh, we want more money. If you have money, you want to protect it. These are not yes. the people you're talking about. If people have no money, which is because of the wealth disparity caused by the fiat system, probably, you know, 80, 90 percent of society. But the people that do have it are becoming very well aware of what's going on. This COVID uh, episode has accelerated the understanding of what, what's being done to the dollar. I'll oh, just throw out another eight or nine hundred billion dollars 
and it'll be a lot more than that. I mean, you know, when we started the 2008 financial crisis, right? 2008. Do you know what the U.S. national debt was? I don't even remember now. It was 10 trillion, and of course, that doesn't include Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which are held off balance sheet. So we're at 27 and a half trillion now, plus five trillion off balance sheet, and we're about to add another trillion. And of course, they have to keep interest rates down to fund all this. So that means more QE. And again, that's why the dollar is, is crashing. And the same thing is going to happen with all currencies. But this time around, you know, the, the choice is not the, well, we could buy gold. No one wants gold. Gold is just the is just an Armageddon excuse. We need some way to go forward that's positive and helps humanity and actually helps people rebuild the monetary system and faith. And the only thing that's ever been invented that can do that is Bitcoin. And it will do it. It's going to take some time. But, you know, who could have possibly imagined how much progress Bitcoin could have made in just a few months? Think about what 12 months looks like for now. What if plan B is right? What if it's $300,000 at the end of next year? Do you think that Bitcoin won't have a massive, massive adoption around the world, certainly among institutions? We will have completely different conversations about the monetary world if he's right about just 12 months from now. I, I, I like your clarification about how the people waking up are the people that have assets and that probably m most people do have nothing. They, they do. Have no, so many people have no assets. Yeah, look, just, look at Warren Buffett, right? I mean, he's always said, oh, don't fight with U.S. dollar, King dollar. Then he's buying all these Japanese trusts. He even dabbled in probably the worst company in the world, Barrett Gold, which I'm glad he's I'm not glad he was smart enough to sell because it's crashed, uh, which which only hurts Peter Schiff's uh, clients. But the point is, even he is realizing I got to do something, which is why you see Berkshire Hathaway will be buying Bitcoin too. Maybe it's not right now. He's 90 and Charlie Munger's 96. But I assure you, they got 30 billion of cash. They will be buying Bitcoin sooner rather than later. They will have to. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a very positive, high energy uh, interview. And I like uh, that we're ending it with talking about uh, Plan B. Everybody loves uh, to talk about Plan B. So pound, pound that like button for him. Well, uh, plan, B we is had, plan B is had a huge impact. You talk about the big stories of the year, right? That putting out that stock to flow ratio and, you know, people could say, well, that stock to flow ratio has been around. Yeah, but he's the one who brought it to, to the attention. He's the one who brought it to the attention of guys like Michael Saylor, everyone in the institutional world. Like when you see, remember, it was a few weeks ago, it says Citibank says uh, Bitcoin will be three hundred eighteen thousand dollars by the end of next of next year. Yeah, because he was reading Plan B's report and, <laughs> and plagiarizing it. So, yeah, that guy deserves a huge amount of kudos for bringing that model to the attention of people and making it become mainstream. Yeah, you know, speaking about it becoming mainstream, I think it was CNBC or somebody like that actually quoted it, said stock the flow model. They didn't give him the exact credit for it. But, yeah, uh, I, I've i always said don't put that thing on a pedestal, but a lot of people have adopted it that, that go way beyond the Bitcoin space, and it, it has made people uh, de definitely increase well, look, their level of uh, interest in Bitcoin. Well, look, for one, for one, the, the, the conclusions of it, generally speaking, have a very high degree of statistical significance. Not that that guarantees it will happen. But you combine that, it, to me, it's never been about stuff like that. It's always been about the raw numbers. Remember I talked about the Hoffman line, the $100 billion, you know, these kind of things. It's the round numbers that matter. When the world, when, when I just think of gold as $10 trillion market cap, right? Yes. And it's probably a lot more when you include all the fake paper gold. I go, well, Bitcoin should be $10 trillion. Bitcoin should be $10 trillion today. There's no way on earth 
that that piece of garbage, useless, archaic, barbarous relic gold should be worth $10 trillion, let alone that it should be worth more than Bitcoin. Bitcoin today should be worth $10 trillion. $10 trillion is, is twice uh, Plan B's number. And I do believe that it could shock people that it passes gold by this time next year, because as institutions like the Michael Sales and Elon Musk's look into this stuff, they're going to laugh at gold. So are the central banks that hold the gold. They're going to try to find sellers for the gold and they're not going to find it. So don't be surprised if the price of gold actually falls as opposed to surges. I just think that that ultimately anyone who has gold from a central bank to a retail investor is going to realize that in the world of Bitcoin, it truly is useless. Yeah, well, uh, we're talking about big round numbers and uh, there is a lot of psychology and marketing behind big round numbers. Uh, a, a big one would be the one trillion dollar uh, market cap. Bitcoin would have to be uh, in the 50,000s for that. And I think a lot of people are, are, are waking up to that being pretty legitimate. No uh, brainer. No so, brainer. Yeah. But he, he, here's a, here's another one that puts yeah. it in perspective. You know, if, if there are people that doubt it being digital gold and, and becoming all that gold has become in terms of a market cap, think of it, uh, you know, Apple is the most valuable company right now at $2.1 trillion market cap. Uh, Bitcoin is more than a company. It, it, and Vinny, Vinny Lingham was the one who pointed this out. Bitcoin has to end up worth more than every corporation on earth. It does. And so, but to be worth $2.3 trillion, Bitcoin would have to be worth over $100,000. And I, I, I talked about that on the show uh, the other day. And, uh, you know, I don't like to talk about big numbers like that. I don't like to jinx or anything like that. But I mean, if you think logically, Bitcoin is not a company. It is a currency, a worldwide currency. It is digital gold. It's a lot of darn things. It's a lot more than Apple is. And I mean, Apple is an awesome company, a tremendous wealthy, you know, $2.3 trillion company. But yeah, Bitcoin should be worth more than Apple. Of course. Of course. I mean, look, you know, the growth rate of Apple at one point was, was uh, the same as Bitcoin. But right now it's a mature company. It's no different than Microsoft. And yes, it has an impact on the world. But the, the impact that Bitcoin will have on the world probably sooner rather than later, is far more than Apple. And Apple has a big impact on the world. But you can't compare what a new monetary system would be worth. I mean, fiat currencies today are worth $100 trillion, and they're all useless garbage. Uh, so Bitcoin could easily get to $100 trillion. Uh, and, and Apple, you know, great company, but it's just a company. It's yeah. not, it's not a, mon a money. Apple cannot create a security truth machine that is Bitcoin. Pound that like button. All right, everyone, we got to the end of the show here. Andy, was there anything else you wanted to bring up? Any news stories? Any uh, any uh, projects you want to talk about? The floor is yours. No, I just want to say, look, we've been we've been through a lot, you and I together, and and anyone in the Bitcoin community who's survived any amount of time. But you know, now is the time where you realize all the hard work and all the the all the perseverance has paid off because uh, Bitcoin is, is past escape velocity. Like you look at these, you know, these dumb, it's not even the AML uh, KYC things that they, you know, the government put out the other day. It's the fact that they're so pathetic and they don't realize that nothing could stop Bitcoin, let alone something as silly as that. So there, you know, no FUD is going to work anymore. And uh, the, the world's monetary system is on a steep downward slope. So either buy Bitcoin and survive and thrive or don't buy it and be miserable. It's that simple. Yeah, I, I like that you did bring up uh, the the uh, your thoughts on the uh, the potential government regulation and uh, that it's it's um, mostly noise. If you know what you're doing, 
uh, I think pe most people will be able to avoid it. And uh, it's unfortunate the government likes to interfere in these ways, but hey, that that's life. So yeah, I, I mean, know. look, the price the price surged. In fact, probably the only reason the price fell today was because you know Michael Saylor said we bought it. So of course traders say, hey, it's overbought. It had a huge jump, and now the big buyers out. So let's sell it. And, you know, it's still hanging around twenty three thousand, which is unbelievable because we just got over 20,000 what like a week or two ago yeah we I mean it's absolutely incredible and yes 55,000 which is a trillion market cap is the easiest no-brainer of all time we will be there in 2021 easily and I now believe that 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 plan B's numbers by the end of the year may well turn out to be conservative because the game theory as people start to realize they need to own this at the same time that these governments are destroying currencies at a rapid pace is going to cause massive shortages and that's why uh, I hope Elon Musk is smart enough as one of the world's smartest men to realize that it, this is the right thing to do. He just got all that, you know, Michael Saylor got all that almost free money that he borrowed, right? You know, for three quarters of a percent. Well, Elon Musk was just able to sell unbelievable amounts of stock at these unbelievable prices, which is basically free money. So why not invest a couple of billion dollars in Bitcoin? Well, I, I love the positive vibe. I also I encourage just corporations out there to uh, issue corporate bonds and uh, basically printing their own money to buy real money, to buy Bitcoin, baby. Oh, and they like, will. Believe me, others will. You know, like I saw Pierre, Pierre Richard today said, Jack, uh, you know, you should do it with Square. Do 10 billion because they're, you know, MicroStrategy is literally a micro company on the scene. And, and the funny thing is, so is Square. Square is nothing compared to these titans. But what, what, why would they not do that? Why would Square not do a $10 billion offering? You know, I did the math. I said they could probably get three or 400,000 Bitcoin if they announced that today. Three or 400,000 Bitcoin. The price would probably go to $30,000. And guess what? There would be no supply left. And the next thing you knew, they'd be holding all that Bitcoin and the price would be 50, 100,000. It's such a no brainer from a game theory perspective. Even Amazon, any one of these things, any one of these companies, they can even announce it. And even with the price going up, they will be able to buy and they will take all that supply of the market. It's just a matter of who's the next Michael Saylor, who's smart enough to do it. Yeah, I I love that the those versions of the big boys are here. Companies are, are you know, we, we've been individuals in this space for a while. We had the opportunity. We took the opportunity that the companies are a little late to the game. Don't I mean. Get in before the rest of the companies do, you uh, individuals out there, because nothing can stop them. Anyone can buy Bitcoin. Well, uh, I think I think that's it. It's been a, a positive time. Anything else, Andy? No, that's it. Looking forward to our next call. All right. It will be in 2021. What an exciting year it's been. I know 2021 is even going to be better. I am pumped. I'm pumped all the freaking time, though. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. We'll be back tomorrow at some point for the One Bitcoin Show. I hope you enjoyed this special edition, Andy Hoffman edition. He is linked to below. Everything we talked about is linked to below. Pound that like button, everybody. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye. And...